We are live for a new episode of the Electric Podcast. I am Fred Lambert, your host, and I'm joined by Seth Weirdchild. How are you doing today, Seth? I'm good. All right. Uh, this week's episode is sponsored by VMAX. If you're looking for a high-quality e-scooter with superior performance, check out the new VX5, VX2 Pro, VX4, and the R40 and R55 high-speed race scooters from VMAX. We're going to have a little bit more to say about them later on the show. And today's episode is also sponsored by Cycrown, an electric cycling specialist currently offering $400 off on your next e-bike purchase during the Cycrown's early Black Friday sale. A little bit more to say about them also on the show, so stay tuned for that. But let's jump right into the news this week. We're going to start with a little bit of a Tesla news, as we usually do. And then we have our unveiling of the Lucid Gravity, the SUV that we've been waiting for. We have also the new Cadillac Optic EV, uh, a, new Cadillac, a new EV from Cadillac, and uh, a bunch more. So let's jump right in with some Cybertruck news, which has been our go-to in the last few weeks, because there's a lot of uh, little tidbits of information coming out ahead of uh, the official unveiling that is coming November 30th. Uh, this week, there was this video making the rounds that uh, it was very confusing video. We don't know how it got made. It, it, it was posted on, on Instagram and on, on TikTok. And it's someone walking up to um, a Cybertruck prototype and getting inside of it like, like there's nothing and uh, filming the inside uh, of, the, of the truck as well as the outside. Uh, so it's very strange because... There's been plenty of Cybertruck sightings over the last few weeks, over the last few months. And uh, Tesla's engineers that are driving these trucks have been pretty welcoming to people, like taking pictures and like talking to them a little bit, uh, but never of the interior. They don't let people take the pictures of the interiors of the car. And when the car is parked, they generally put uh, um, uh, something over it to, to hide the interior and to hide the, the truck in itself, really. Um, but... This time, someone was able to just get in, film the interior. So we got a good look at it. We got, uh, I can put the video right now. I don't know if the sound's going to be on. Okay, that's okay. No sound. Good soundtrack, too. There's a soundtrack? They put a good soundtrack on there, too. But you, know, you cannot hear it right now, right? Oh, yeah, I can hear it. You can hear it? Really? I cannot. Yeah. So weird. Oh, it should be gone. Uh, so yeah, you see the user interface. You see the side doors. Like you see all the pockets in there. You see a good look at the... Uh, the seats, the back seat looks like it, it's up, so uh, you don't see the actual back seat, but you see the screen uh, in between the, the front seat. You get a good look at the tonneau um, cover. Uh, I don't know if it's that's real speed. If it is real speed, it's pretty damn pretty fast. Quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then, then a quick look at the outside, too. But uh, so definitely our best look at inside the cyber truck since the unveiling. And then the other thing that came out of it is like, if you look at that screen right here, you can um, get some information about the range of the truck. Um, now we, we need to put this into context because a lot of people are freaking out because technically it says a range of 267 miles. It's like, is it going to be the top range of the cyber truck or the first version, whatever it is. But what what it is is that based on the navigation system if you look at the uh so whoever was driving that truck at a location in the navigation that was only 16 miles away and you can deduct the displayed range from that by using the 71 percent state of charge again right now that's always on the prototypes always use the the state of charge and percentage rather than in miles um 
for obvious reasons to try to disguise the range of the, the car. But knowing the 71% and knowing that you're going to be at 65% within 16 miles, you can add that up over 100 miles. You can scale it up and you end up at roughly 267 miles of range. Now, that's not the EPA range of the vehicle. It's the displayed range calculated through the navigation system. And we know the navigation system takes a lot of factors into account, um, including the driving habits of the, the, the driver over a certain period of miles, um, wind resistance, uh, elevation. There's so many things that are taken into account that the predicted range on the navigation of the Tesla vehicle is going to be much shorter. Well, not necessarily much shorter, but definitely shorter than uh, the range of um, of the EPA range. Uh, so a lot of people are trying to like give a number to that. Like if you look at the, what the Model 3, Model Y is doing, like again, but it's, it's so wide. There's a wide range here, but a lot of people are saying like it's about eighty percent um, the navigation the, the navigation range versus the EPA range. So you could scale that up to to the two sixty seven and get over like around a three fifty mile range on on the car. Uh, which would be in line with what Tesla has announced. If it's if it's a dual motor version, a dual motor was announced at over three uh, three hundred miles of range, and then the tri motor version was announced at over five hundred miles of range. But that was uh, four years ago at this point, and we don't know exactly what that's going to be like on the on the production version of the vehicle. But yeah, it's still some decent information coming out here, just not perfect. Any thoughts on the on the on the range set? Yeah, I mean, I guess it, you know, it's a range, but still, um, I think people were kind of expecting a lot more range. And, you know, obviously, <clears throat> we've talked in the past about how uh, Tesla is extremely optimistic with their range mm -hmm. estimates. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what, you know, how this is extrapolated out, how this uh, ends up working. I mean, you know, it's a prototype, it could could be literally anything, but uh, it is interesting to, to see this. Yeah, it could even be like that the car was towing like in the last few uh, yeah. miles before that. And I was taking into account like we don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing things out there. Obviously, I'm not, I don't know anything, maybe but, they're, you know, it's they're testing it, driving at 100 miles per hour. Yeah, maybe the guy was so accelerating like crazy, doing some off road. Off -road. We, we, we have no clue. But 267 miles is not bad to either with yeah. again within the. Uh, knowing how Tesla is optimistic with the EPA. So the EPA would be much higher than that. Um, I, I didn't include that because I just posted it before the podcast too. But while we're still on the Cybertruck, I want to mention uh, Javier, uh, Javier Ver, Verdura, I think is his name. Uh, a longtime Tesla design executive uh, was on a conference in Monterrey, Mexico earlier today. And he apparently disclosed that Tesla is only going to deliver 10 Cybertrucks at the delivery event at the end of the month. So... Also, hmm. a little bit tidbits of information. Uh, not, it's not too surprising. Like if you look at past delivery events for Tesla, there was never like a big number. I remember the Model Three maybe being like a, a lot more cars than that. I think there was a decent number of cars that were delivered, but Model Y that wasn't that many either. So, all right. Um, so this thing happened to this week uh, earlier this week. Tesla updated um, uh, the section of its. Uh, buyer's agreement for Cybertruck online. And uh, they, uh, they added a clause in there where you couldn't resell uh, the early version of the Cybertruck. Uh, so do we have the... 
exact language. Oh no, so that's the, the, the other poster, sorry. Here. Well, I won't, I won't, I won't read the, that whole thing. It was a little bit longer than I remembered it. But anyway, the agreement is that Tesla is going to uh, sue you for up to $50,000 if you resell a low-VIN version of the Cybertruck for a period of time that is included in the contract. So while, while, while they have this clause in the early contract, obviously, they would remove the clause after a certain time because it's part of a car ownership to have to resell your car at some point. But this is something that Tesla is not the only one to have adopted. A lot of uh, other automakers have adopted this for high interest vehicles. Um, normally, it's more like in the supercar type sphere than pickup trucks. But with the extremely high interest in the Tesla Cybertruck, it does make sense to have something like that um, just to avoid making the market just uh, about reselling about having a low VIN rather than uh, uh, respecting the um, delivery of uh, the, the reservation process, even though we know Tesla has a lot of problem with that. Um, but people have put uh, their um, reservation early for the Cybertruck. Now some are waiting for four years. And Tesla doesn't want to be the whole launch about being just trying to make uh, money flipping the Cybertruck. Now, what's what is interesting is that after it was reported that, that Tesla put that in there, a few days later they removed it. Now, there's a lot of lot of uh, speculation about why they removed it. They removed it. A lot of people say that Tesla just backtracked it after some backlash um, of some people being upset about this clause. We don't know. Obviously, we have no one to reach out to Tesla to ask about this, but. Uh, I tend to believe that it might be more about simply Tesla realizing that that clause, that that agreement shouldn't even have been there in the first place yet because Tesla is not delivering any trucks right now uh, and not for a few weeks. And even then for a few weeks, it's most likely only going to be uh, for uh, employees or company insiders, basically maybe like board members or whatnot. So, so I think maybe Tesla was just ahead of itself. I wouldn't be surprised if that clause shows itself back once the full agreement is available, but we'll see. It does bring up a question though, like how do you kind of curtail the, uh, the people um, just selling, you know, flipping their vehicles. It's um, it was kind of interesting. I was at a Rivian event and talking to one of their people about this exact issue. And they were, they, they were trying to figure out a <clears throat> strategy to avoid that. And one of the things they came up with is that they would sell uh, one of their vehicles to one of their early reservation holders. But then every other vehicle, they were thinking, we're going to put that on eBay and we're going to get the most money that we possibly can out of it. And then the next vehicle they would sell to one of their customers. Because Rivians at the time were going for like, you know, $150,000, $200,000. Were they though? Like, I know they were listed for that, but do we know actually people paid that? I, I think there were a few people. I don't think yeah. it was like, you know, it's not a high number like of cars, but but the idea was like to to get people to stop. You know, mm -hmm. if if Rivian was putting them up, you would buy from Rivian rather than buying secondhand. Mm -hmm. Anyway, they didn't do it, um, and uh, you know, here we are. Yeah, I think it might might have something to do also with like there there was the um, uh, Peterson Museum that put one for, up for sale and they said it was a low number VIN and we're not even sure if Tesla was involved in that and that went for $400,000 so obviously that could create a market by itself uh, uh, with like a first uh, 
first evidence of uh, of the cyber a low vin cyber truck being sold for a high amount. So I don't know. Damn. It's uh, I, I don't understand that market that much. Like I understand like a a, a rare vehicle that you you, you might want to pay like a good amount for, but um, yeah, dude, I don't even have feedback in my headphones. It's weird. Um, but yeah, I, I don't understand a truck that uh, there's going to be. 250,000 of these trucks uh, by 2025 on the road. So I don't know how much of a low VIN would actually go for. I guess if, if, if your crowd wants to see Cybertruck, like having it out early, have being the first one, there's a certain cachet to that. Um, you, you know what I think is going to pay for those? Early who? VIN at the high price? Who's that? Other automakers. It's just reverse engineers them and everything. Yeah, That's, I'm sure Ford and Rivian yeah. will be on that list. But yeah, Ford um, would be willing to pay four hundred thousand dollars for one. But uh, yeah, I don't know. The goal of that truck is going to be to destroy it, basically. So it's not to to some. It's not someone that's like going to keep it and hope that it becomes a collector's item, right? All right, we got a second deal of Tesla selling superchargers to a third party. So that was uh, that was an interesting one when the, it was announced last month with the BP uh, buying a hundred million dollars worth of supercharger hardware in order to brand them BP station and install them at um, gas station in the U.S. Now we have a second of such deal, and at the time too, Tesla did say that this is a new business they want to get into. So that was the first deal, and we expect other deal to come. It just took a few weeks for them to announce a new deal with the um, EG Group, uh, which is actually a very big group. Interestingly, also based in the UK, so BP already British Petroleum, but BP is UK based, but uh, the stations were apparently for a gas station in the US. So the uh, EG Group operates, uh, put them in there. Yeah, they, they are mainly in Europe. They have 3,000-something location in Europe. Um, they have 1,700s in the U.S., 600 in the U.K. and Ireland, uh, 500 in Australia. So a very large group that operates convenience stores and gas stations. And uh, they've been deploying their own chargers. They have some at 600 um they have 600 deploys at 109 sites right now, but they want to expand that. And instead of buying them from ChargePoint or Tritium or ABB, they decided to buy them from Tesla. Uh, so not unlike the deal with BP, but we don't have a scale a volume for that deal. There's no dollar amount like there was uh, for the BP deal or no n- number of station, but they did say that they plan to roll out more than 20,000 superchargers at 3,600 uh, sites. And again, they right now they are at 600. So there's a lot of opportunity for it. I'm not saying that Tesla is going to deploy all those stations, but it could be, it could very likely be a very big deal. Um, this is, this is a very interesting new business for Tesla uh, because obviously with the NAX, what's that, what happened with NAX, Tesla, made itself very strong in uh, North America in, in the charging space and they hit hard the charging station companies, especially the level two station because now uh, they all have to adapt to NAX. And at the same time, Tesla just uh, cut the grass under their feet with the um, universal wall connector that has both NAX and CCS at the same time and it is super cheap. Um, and also has all the specs that you you need for a home station. So it makes it like a very attractive 
buy for EV buyers now. And all these charging station companies were already relying mostly on, on non-Tesla EVs. You could, you could buy a, one if you had a Tesla, but for the most part, they were relying on non-Tesla EVs because they are the ones that had a native uh, J1772 chargers. And now everything is moving to NAX, so it makes sense to buy a NAX station. And even if you don't have a NAX car right now, you might think, oh, I can at least get a wall connector from Tesla and use the J1772 adapter in the meantime and then just use the NAX connector when I, whenever I get an, uh, another EV that's going to have NAX. Because starting from 2025, 2025, it sounds like every other EV in the U.S. is going to have uh, a NAX connector. So Tesla's already made a big impact on charging station company from that. And now it's going after the fast charging station market by selling the hardware, the supercharger hardware, uh, which we know for a fact that is much cheaper to deploy than uh, competitors right now. So Tesla getting into that business, they might have a big advantage over the competition already uh, just from cost of deployment. Uh, next news is uh, this uh, rare information coming out of uh, Tesla's uh, investor relation department confirming something that we already knew really, but um, we it was never like stated clearly by that company. So if you're a Tesla investor, you know this famous 50% growth rate number that uh, Tesla stated many times over the last few years. Uh, they are very confident that Tesla can grow at a 50% rate. On the long term, doesn't mean a 50% rate every year, but long term, it's going to add up to a 50% rate of growth, which is completely insane for uh, the tool maker of that side. Like this is kind of like a software startup type of growth rate, uh, which is a lot easier to achieve, obviously, in software. When you have a car with 10,000 unique parts in them, uh, it, it's, uh, it doesn't make sense to grow at a 50% rate but tesla had a lot of credibility in making that um, announcement because they have been growing at that rate and better for the last few years um, maybe not added two million unit rates that they are right now but still very impressive but now now that they are at two million units a year growing 50 percent a year that's quite the task and we were not sure how tesla was going to achieve that and um uh, Gary Black, who's a, who's a longtime Tesla investor and, uh, and commentator online, said that uh, at an investor conference this week, uh, Tesla IR, Tesla's Investor Relations, said that they are, um, the way he phrased it in his own post is that Tesla is now in an intermediate low growth period. So anything at less than 50%, obviously. Uh, and then Martin Vieca, the, the head of uh, investor relations at Tesla, jumped into that post uh, to clarify. He said, what I said specifically is that we are between two major growth waves, the first driven by 3 and Y platforms since 2017, and the next one that will be driven by the next-gen vehicle platform. Uh, so that's a, that's a good point. Uh, so basically what he said is that we had a giant growth wave from Model 3 Model Y, which we've seen, and now Model 3 Model Y seems to be plateauing a bit. Uh, we there is some hope with the new Model Three, the updated version of the Model Three. It might be some growth there. Model Y uh, is already at over a million units a year. There might be some space for growth there, but not much. Uh, and then you have the Cybertruck that is launching by the end of the month, but Cybertruck won't be any kind of significant volume for 
uh, a year at least. And even even at full volume, Cybertruck is not does doesn't enable fifty percent growth. Fifty uh, percent growth for Tesla next year is going to be an adding a million vehicle to the production capacity and to to sales at Tesla. And Cybertruck is going to be two hundred fifty, so that's a quarter of that. Uh, you, how do you get the other three quarters? That's a big question. So basically, Vieca has confirmed that. That's that's gonna be it. Like it's not gonna be that kind of growth next year uh, for Tesla. The next growth is coming from the next gen vehicles, and that's a big question mark because when is the next gen vehicle or next gen vehicle platform for Tesla coming? Uh, we don't know exactly. We know that there has been some production um, development at Gigafactory Texas, but we know that until very recently the plan was to build it in Mexico, and then Mexico was delayed. Um, though we also had the good news on the, in Berlin, where Elon said that the next gen vehicles are also going to be built there. So we don't know. It's a, it's a big question. The timeline is what we don't know for the next gen vehicle right now, but it's the the one that's supposed to be based on the unbox manufacturing process. But so they're talking about profits, right? They're talking about profit growth or revenue growth or. Well, growth? Uh, did I uh, specify that here? So volumes. Talk about volumes. Yeah, so volume growth. Uh, okay, because I was going to say, like, we've already known that, like, the Cybertruck is going to take a long time to turn a profit, <clears throat> relatively long, not really long time, but, you know, a year or so at least, um, probably a lot more. Um, so I would see, like, that would make sense as a low growth period in terms of profitability. But um, in terms of numbers, uh, it is a little surprising that um, there's no uh, Model Y, Model Three growth um, predicted for the the next year or so. No, or not, very little. There might there might be some. There might be some. Just not nothing significant. Like, can you imagine Tesla growing Model Y, Model Three more than like ten, fifteen percent next uh, year? I mean. That would be a huge amount of vehicles. Like yeah. there's already model wise everywhere right now. So it's a million vehicle a year and now, so it's a hundred thousand more to just grow it by ten percent. Right. I don't see that happening. But, but you never know. You never know. Tesla surprised us in the past. Um, you know what? We should do our first read. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do right now. Let's talk a little bit about V Max. All right, I should probably find these before I say doing our next read. All right, <laughs> today's episode is sponsored by VMAX Mobility, Inc., one of Europe's leading e-scooter brands. The brand was founded in 2015 and is headquartered in Switzerland. After eight years of growth in Europe, VMAX e-scooters are now available in North America. VMAX's UL-certified e-scooters offer exceptional performance and reliability with a motor, battery, controller, and frame that are all built to last for years. The brand's high-quality components are all made in VMAX's ISO-certified facility for maximum control over safety and design. On the company's latest models, you'll find integrated turn signals, ultra-bright front lights, responsive brake lights, tubeless tires with superior tire tread, an anti-slip deck, and built-in suspension. You'll also find a powerful motor, high-torque, instant responsiveness, advanced electronics, and regenerative braking for unmatched performance. VMAX offers an industry-leading 24-month warranty, and with nationwide repair shops and local U.S. warehouse for parts servicing, is easy. Check out v the latest VX5, VX2 Pro, and VX4 models, and stay tuned for the exciting new VX3. 
If you're a speed enthusiast, don't miss the company's R40 and R55 high-speed race scooters. Visit vmax-escooter.us and use promo code VMAXELECTREC for exclusive offers for a limited time. Thanks again to VMAX for sponsoring. Thank you, VMAX. All right. Um, speaking of sponsors and advertising, uh, Tesla has published their first video ads since uh, dipping their toes in advertising. So for those unaware, Tesla has never really advertised before until this year. Uh, a lot of marketing. So there's a big distinction between marketing and advertising. Advertising is actually paying for advertising space, uh, advertising time uh, versus marketing is uh, can englobe a ton of different tools, uh, including producing videos that are much like advertisement, but they're not being pushed uh, to paid time, paid space. Uh, they were just put on their YouTube and uh, shared by Tesla fans. But uh, in this case, now Tesla has produced their first video ads, which people have been pushing for. So since Tesla dipped its toes in the advertising earlier this year, after it was asked uh, by Tesla investors and Elon said, yeah, we're going to try it a little and see how it goes. Tesla has done a bunch of Google ads, so written ads. Uh, but now they have on YouTube, a lot of people have noted that uh, in pre-roll, maybe there was one before you opened this, this show right now. I don't, I don't know. That would be kind of cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, this this, this uh, pre-roll from YouTube. And the first one uh, focused on safety. So the Tesla's vehicles have performed very well on safety crash your, tests. Your thing is playing uh, noise again. I don't, I don't know why I'm not getting feedback on my uh, headphones. I, I can hear you, but I cannot hear the, the stream. It's uh, strange. That's weird. Uh, but yeah. So it focused on safety. Tesla has done very well in crash test, uh, crash test results. And now uh, the um, specific ads also, you have a link on it. So if you place on the link, you ended up on the, on the demo page of to schedule test drives from Tesla. So an interesting approach. There's been a second video ad also spotted today, uh, focusing more on uh, pricing, like uh, uh, the, the, the premise was kind of like the best-selling car in the world. You can now get it for... Uh, $400 a month, uh, which is the base lease price, I think, for the model Y now. Uh, but yeah, Tesla is a little bit more than dipping its toes right now, or at least well, maybe dipping its toes in the video ads, but wider advertising effort, which uh, is going to be interesting because so far in the last year and a half, two years, Tesla has mo relied mostly, if not entirely, on price cuts in order to keep demand going. Um, but a lot of people have been making the argument that without having done any advertising uh, since the beginning of the company, there might be an opportunity to reach different people uh, with ads rather than price cuts and uh, do it cheaper than price cuts, really. So it would be interesting to see uh, the result from that. But Elon has been commenting on this uh, lately, and he, he said that uh, they're basically testing a bunch of things, seeing what works. And once they, they, they find out what works, they're probably going to invest more evenly into their advertising effort you surprised there's not more on uh tw or x twitter or whatever i mean i, I don't know uh uh <laughs> it kind of kind of run my little ad block sometime on the x <laughs> out of defiance no uh but uh i think i think it would be just ugh. it would it wouldn't go over super well i think if you, you right. know, use um 
Tesla to to boost X's uh, advertising, especially in the current context right now. If uh, you guys have been following, a lot of people are pulling their ads from X again. It's not the first time uh, over Elon putting his foot in his mouth again. But what else is new? Um, there was an interesting Tesla update this week uh, that brought two small but interesting features to Tesla vehicles. Um, one, Tesla vehicles with autopilot and uh, full self-driving. Uh, you have uh, Now you only pull down one time on the stock to activate autopilot rather than two times. Uh, so Tesla is making it a little bit more simple, I guess, but not that it was super complicated before. Uh, but yeah, going slowly towards a way of like that, and eventually it's going to be no pull. You're just going to get in the car and the car going to drive itself. Um, just going to know. Yeah. Just going to know when you want it to drive. Exactly. Or maybe you won't. Take your hands off the wheel. Yeah. Maybe you won't even be able to drive it yourself. I don't know. Uh, but it, this move feels like Tesla is like preparing people that way, even though I'm a little bit skeptical. But we'll see. Uh, the second update is for people that have a Tesla vehicle that has the rear screen. So that's the new Model S and X, uh, new Highland tree in Europe and Asia. Uh, it's... Uh, now you have a way for people to separate the audio from the front and the back, meaning that someone, uh, the driver and the, and, and the front passenger can listen to a podcast uh, that is running from the main screen. Obviously, it's not on the screen, but like you control it from the screen, the main screen of the car. And you can have kids in the back watching a show on Netflix on the rear screen. Uh, but the problem with that is that you have the audio from the front uh, and the audio from the back. So now to separate that, uh, you, there, there's a way now for passengers to connect Bluetooth wireless uh, headphones through the back screen and then have the audio just from the back screen going there. Uh, so obviously very helpful for uh, um, families traveling and uh, you, you have uh, something playing in the back, something else in the front. Should we do our second read? Yeah, let's jump right into it. All right. Today's episode is also sponsored by Cycrown, an electric cycling specialist focused on the promoting the e-bike traveling lifestyle while helping grow a community of e-bike enthusiasts around the globe. After Cycrown's founder, Dean Roan, rode his first e-bike back in 2018, he couldn't kick the rush of adrenaline and pure joy it brought him. So he spent the next four years testing hundreds of e-bike prototypes in mountain biking, commuting, and tour biking to develop the highest quality and most affordable e-bikes on the market. The result is SciCrown, a company that is now working daily to deliver quality e-bikes to people of all disciplines, building a community around its beloved customers. With warehouses in the U.S. and Canada, SciCrown offers fast delivery of its growing library of electric bikes and adjacent accessories. Whether it's folding bike, step-through, step-over bike you're seeking, SciCrown has an option for you with plenty of add-ons to customize your ride. Save up to $400 on your next SciCrown e-bike purchase during SciCrown's early Black Friday sale. And be sure to check back on November 23rd for more Black Friday deals, which include bonus gifts and savings on tons of complete e-bike packages. Learn more at SciCrown.com. Thanks again to SciCrown for sponsoring and uh, visit the link in the show notes. Yes, thank you, SciCrown. Uh, oops, I lost this... Uh... Press the wrong button and back. All right. Um, 
Moving on from Tesla news, uh, we have a few other news items we want to discuss before we jump into the comment section. So if you guys have any comments, any questions for us, you can put them in the comment section right now. Uh, it can be about things that we discussed today on the show, or it can be something else in the EV space that you want or take on. Uh, put them in the comment section right now. If you're on YouTube, Facebook, or LinkedIn, we should be able to uh, see those comments and respond to you live on the show. All right, uh, big unveiling this week uh, in, uh, I think it was uh, with the Elioto show or at least around that, uh, the, the occasion. Lucid officially fully unveiling the Gravity SUV. So that's something that we've been waiting for for a while because Lucid has been struggling a little bit with the air since it's mainly in the U.S. right now. I was in Canada and Europe a little bit, but still the footprint is mainly in the U.S. And the uh, luxury sedans right now are hard to sell in, sell in the U.S. So an SUV would be a lot easier. And we, we knew about the gravity. We knew about the gravity coming for a long time. I mean, it, it leaked. That all the way back when before the air even made it to market and now uh, we know that you're using the same platform but they want to do it in a suv form factor and now it is finally here we have a bunch of image um like okay we can share with you so if you look at the front end it's going to be familiar with the uh, lucid branding uh, but uh, the back will obviously is the biggest difference here uh, with the hatch we have a little bit of gravity styling here uh, with a roof rack. Uh, looking pretty good, looking pretty sleek. Roof rack and the bike rack at the back. Yeah, <clears throat> hatch open here. Looks like the hatch opening is kind of thick a little bit, like on, on the side. It's uh yeah. But the, the the air is like that also. Yeah, I mean, it with the hatch in the back is going to be a big deal because mm. the. The uh, air has a re like relatively small opening. Yeah, but back. this is this year. I don't know, like I don't understand as much. Like why is this? Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, but the the air is like that too. Uh, spec wise, oh, not, 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 let's look at the interior a little bit. Uh, while the interior is obviously closer to uh, to the air, uh, Lucid is known for very luxurious feeling interior. Though, though I heard some comments from people that uh, not a fan, but. Uh, I wish I would I could drive one. I've I've never driven the air yet. Uh, yeah, and they they have the uh, the uh, front window that kind of comes up over like the uh, Model X. Mm -hmm. They have the front screen that also has analog buttons on it. I know that uh, a lot of people like to have analog buttons for some some of the most common uh, inputs that you need to have. Oh, you have these nice trays in the back here. That's nice. Um, yeah, good looking interior. Oh, we have the rear screen too, like uh, we just discussed in the Tesla vehicle. 34 inch curved OLED display in the front. Uh, oh, yeah, and the, obviously the feature a lot of people are talking about with this truck is the front. Uh, the front trunk can also be a bench. Uh, that's like the Cybertruck. Yeah, I'm not, I don't like the Cybertruck, but it's the feature a lot of people are talking about here because it's yeah, the, it's like a porch for your car. Yeah. Great for tailgating or front gating, I guess. Yeah. Uh, spec wise, uh, do we have a nice chart here? Like that. There you go. 900 volt architecture, 113 kilowatt hour version. So about the same size as the air. Uh, a range of up to 444 miles. So obviously, Lucid has been uh, known for offering long range uh, versions of its vehicles, like uh, 
it's been a uh, trademark of them. Uh, charging up to 200 miles in 15 minutes on the 350 kilowatts. So if you can get that uh, kind of power uh, up to over 800 horsepower, so still a lot of power in there, 3.5 seconds with 60 acceleration, payload capacity 1,500 pounds, a towing capacity. So obviously it's an SUV and want some towing capacity. 6,000 pounds, so not bad, nothing crazy. It's a, there's a luxury SUV first, I think, um, before an actual utility of it, but uh, 6,000 is, uh, is more than decent. 112 cubic feet of cargo capacity. Uh, they talk about drag coefficient of um, less than 0.24. They say that's targeted, so it's not confirmed. Obviously, uh, that would make it most likely the most uh, aerodynamic SUV out there. They talk about a starting price of under $80,000, which is not too surprising considering that's the threshold to get the federal tax credit. Um, but, I mean, if you look at the versions of the air, uh, and you would assume that the gravity would be like a little bit more expensive, it's probably going to be the starting price of the base version that's going to be at 80000 and then you're going to get versions that are going to be much more expensive. That would be my take on it. Uh, but uh, we're going to have more details on all the different trims of the gravity uh, with specs and pricing in 2024 when the vehicle actually comes to market. Uh, another vehicle unveiling that we have this week is the Optic, the Optic EV from Cadillac. Uh, so it is also the... Not working. It's also the... Uh, much like the Gravity is to the Air, the SUV version of the Air. This is kind of the SUV version of the Lyric, uh, which was the first electric vehicle to be launched uh, by Cadillac on Dirt and, and the rebranding of it uh, since the... What was the name of that Volt Cadillac? Uh, ELR. ELR, yes. Good memory set. Uh, <clears throat> all right. So the Optic... I- yeah. Yeah, the optic is. It kind of looks like it's a uh, Equinox size. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now that you say it, no, not only size, but uh, I mean, Shape. it's probably just, especially the two tone that's and that's giving me this uh, effect that looks a lot like it. So Equinox, yeah. we've seen it a lot. But it does look a lot like the Equinox. Yeah, it does. Like you, the front end, you have the grill, fake grill. That's a bit more Cadillac, but other than that, you're right. It looks a lot like the. Uh, Equinox, a little bit more expensive, Equinox, but uh, not too expensive because it's going to start at... Uh, well, uh, I don't think they have exact pricing. They just said hmm? it was going to start below the Lyric, which I believe is 58000 Below the Lyric? Hmm. Yeah, the Lyric starts yeah, at uh, 58600 uh, Do we have uh, specs on these things? Uh, so that's the leak from... Uh, China that we talked about before. So okay, so it's just the pictures that they, they released today. Yeah. So these two pictures. Okay, that's not that's nothing to write home about. But yeah, we have uh, we had some information that we posted earlier this summer based on the uh, the version that they're going to launch in China. So take that with a grain of salt. Might not be the same spec, but they indicated uh, a dual motor system with 140 kilowatts in the front, 63 kilowatts in the back, and uh, a battery pack that's going to be supplied by CATL. Um, some 
uh, size different uh, would be, I think it's similar to uh, the model Y. So it's like crossover size. That's about it for now. We don't have that much more information, unfortunately. Um, lastly, last piece of news before we jump into the comment section, guys. Uh, Rivian had a little bit of a faux pas this week. Uh, they sent out an update that kind of bricked the uh, infotainment system inside their vehicle. So a rare backfire of the very useful uh, over-the-air software update. Uh, so you took that one set. So what happened? Uh, yeah, so pretty complicated, actually. Um it turns out that they had tested this software and actually the, the re-release of the software started rolling out today, but um, they had tested the software for a month on, you know, thousands of vehicles. Um, they were ready to go. Um, and then some engineer copied the wrong URL of <laughs> where the software was uh, located, which, you know, I'm thinking to myself, that's all that has to happen. Like one guy or girl, just, you know, whatever. So yeah, I guess that's that's the case. Um, so this bad, so actually the software wasn't bad, but um, <clears throat> it had some bad certificates on it, um, which um, the developer vehicles that they immediately tested uh, the software on uh, didn't need the certificates to run it. So it, it ran fine on the, the uh, so initial vehicle. Catch it. That's how they didn't catch it. And then it went out wider. Um, so we later found out it was around 3% of the, consumer vehicle fleet. This wasn't for the uh, Amazon or the the vans. Um, so obviously that's going to be a vocal uh, minority of people uh, when the software stopped at around nine, 90% uh, on the install. And basically the car just uh, didn't show anything on the display. You could drive it around, um, turn signals worked, uh, HVAC didn't work, which is a big deal, Ooh, okay. uh, especially if you're in the cold. Um, you could set the HVAC via um, the app. Oh. Um, you know, there was all these workarounds that were kind of worked out uh, in the you know hours after this happened. But you know, obviously a huge problem. And Rivian wasn't even sure that they were going to be able to fix it over the air. They thought they might be either sending out USB sticks to people or uh, having people come in, which would have been a nightmare. But there was a way to send out another over the air update and they did that yesterday. And from, you know, my understanding is that it worked for everybody. There's a really small amount of Rivian drivers that don't use uh, a smartphone app. And those people had to do theirs, uh, I guess, over the phone, they had to give the go ahead to, to send the update. So um, everything's fixed, but uh, you know, the, I know this update is waiting for me to do in the car and I'm, I'm just not ready to do it. I have to drive. Uh, from Vermont to New York tonight. So I'm going to do that when I get home, I think, <laughs> especially if uh, I haven't heard anybody, uh, you know, successfully executing it. Probably but I mean, <laughs> yeah, I I think that the bigger thing is like, how could, you know, how could this happen? And more importantly, like it cannot happen again because like, you know, you're basically trusting the auto company, This you know, whether it's Tesla or, Lucid or, you know, now the legacy auto manufacturers are doing over the air updates. Um, you're trusting them. Like when they say, hey, there's a new software update and you hit, okay, you want your car to work in the next, you know, couple hours. <clears throat> so this is a big deal. And, uh, you know, the trust is already eroded with Rivian drivers like myself. I'm, you know, I just don't trust 
that the software is going to work and uh you know maybe over time that'll come back but um it's just a it's kind of a big deal um and, you know i think some people had to you know use ubers or or whatever and th- those guys will get reimbursed but um it's just interesting that the the system that they used um didn't catch it and and i i got to speak to um Wasim Ben said the uh the head of software for Rivian um and you know obviously the guy hadn't slept in like 36 hours uh cuz they were working on this fix but um he said yeah we're we're going to re overhaul everything there's not going to be a way for this to happen basically it's like the nuclear codes like two people have to have it like you know buttons have to be pushed on both sides they're they're going to really rejigger their thing they they've all been scared straight on this so Oh, um, at least some good is going to come out of it. Yep. All right. Questions? Yeah, let's do it. All right. I am in the market for an EV truck in Canada. Lightning Pro is a good deal at 55000 Canadian after rebate. I'm worried about the battery recall discussed in the Lightning forums. What's your take? I didn't realize that they were... Well, I remember there was a recall at one point with the F-150 Lightning. Oh, right. The, like the risk, the, the, the fire risk. Right. Uh, but I mean, Ford, Ford is on top of these things generally. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too afraid on, on that front. Like if, if your car is at risk, uh, if, um, if the VIN, um, if you put the VIN on the um, NHTSA website and it, it tells you that, uh, you need to, to bring back the truck and you bring it back and then Ford's going to take care of it. I wouldn't, uh, but now if you're buying it right now, new, I don't, I don't know if it's, uh, um, like you, you can definitely ha- ask your dealer about that, and uh, I, I would think they would take care of it beforehand if 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 uh, there needs to be any kind of service to be done. So I'm not, I wouldn't be too worried about that. Yep. All right. Uh, do you believe GM? Can, what is this? The Buick version of the Lot Elutio? I think uh, I think we got the wrong uh, country. Uh, Ultium, uh, some kind of Ultium, uh, but. Uh, yeah. Oh, maybe the Chevrolet Altium? I don't know. I know that uh, GM has released some electric Altium-based Buicks in China, but uh, I'm not sure what uh, Jean is asking here, unfortunately. All right. Contacts owned a 2017 Focus EV and a Model 3 for the last five years. 40V was pretty bad back (laughs) then in terms of software, but drove okay. Yeah. That's- yeah, I mean, I don't think you can compare the focus uh, to the the lightning. Obviously, I I guess I understand if you were you would be hesitant based on that. But the four DVs have changed a lot since then. Um, the only thing I would keep in mind on that front is like there's a new generation of the lightning coming uh, to A25, and uh, I think it's going to be a big change, a big step change uh, for 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 the lightning. But uh, yeah. I mean, if you need the truck now, it's a it's a decent enough truck to. All right. Uh, moving on. I'm sure new cyber truck owners will manage to actually flip one physically. Oh, that's a joke. Yeah. Carl is not a fan of uh, the cyber truck. I think we established that. And <laughs> Carl is a freaking commenter on the podcast. We appreciate you, Carl. All right. Uh, question. Would Electric ever write an editorial calling for Elon Musk's resignation? I guess he's never read a Jamie post. Just wondering in light of his recent anti-Semitic tweets, also understand that that's not how you see your role. Uh, we, we were actually discussing this uh, in the context of Apple dropping uh, 
uh, earlier. Like ads all I mean, makes you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I I didn't quite understand the original tweet. Took me a couple times to yeah. still not understand it, and then I talked to Jamie about it, and I kind of feel like I understand a little better. Um, I think he, so. Just generally speaking. I think Twitter is not great for Tesla. Like uh, Elon, just talking, like his like brain flow is not a benefit to Tesla. But I don't know. It doesn't seem like uh, this particular thing is is like the thing that's going to break. Uh, it, well, the board is certainly not going to, you know, override Elon for 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 that. I, I, I would be I would be surprised if that's the case because especially like the the, the situation like I, I definitely don't agree with that because it's not even Elon's tweet it's the another tweet and then he like responded to that tweet so definitely don't agree at all with what the, that tweet said um, but I think it's more of an example of like the level of communication there is on X and, and that's, uh, you can credit Elon Musk for that since he actually owns a platform. Uh, but it, it's just not a great form of communication for nuanced thoughts. Cause I don't, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be willing to call Elon an anti-Semite. Like, I, I mean, I don't know him super well, but, uh, I, in the past, he never, he's never come out to me as someone that's racist or anti-Semite or anything like that. I admit that that tweet is not the guy that posted that tweet sounds like he might have some anti-Semite tendencies for sure. Uh, but there was a little bit more to the tweet is like about immigration too. And I think Elon has been very outspoken about immigration lately. So I think it's more that that he was supporting than anything else. Again, not a good look to agree with an anti-Semite, obviously. No, <laughs> not no. a good look at all. And, and, <laughs> and obviously his, his tendencies have been very right wing lately. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I don't even know if we can say lately, maybe like since COVID. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah. You know, uh, it, it, calling for his resignation. I uh, personally, I'm not. You, you, we we've been extremely critical of Elon uh, when we we think it's warranted. Uh, we never went as far as calling for his resignation. The main that before that, what I would hope, and I don't, I don't have any hope that's going to happen. But what would be really nice is to have an actual board that has power over Elon, right? Uh, or at least some kind of like. Uh, it seems like it has power because right now it seems like it has nothing. Like it, it seems like Elon can do whatever he wants and the Tesla board won't do anything because generally the board has some power over the CEO. Uh, doesn't seem to be the case with Tesla. And I, I saw some pretty hilarious posts about, about, uh, on, on the X front. Um, cause like technically Elon is CTO at X. Right. And, right. Uh, Linda uh, is her Yeah, Karina. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Linda is the CEO, and uh, some people were like posting, like, "Okay, now it's going to be very interesting now if uh, uh, Linda is going to decide to fire our, our CTO because he said something anti-Semite on on her own platform." <laughs> that's a very hilarious thought because obviously. Uh, if you think that the CEO has any power to fire the CTO in this case, uh, you'd be mistaken. Even though technically right. she has the power, but uh, <laughs> then uh, that would be that would be interesting to see, uh, especially since he owns it. 
Yeah, the, know, so, it's not so even a public company. You could fire him as CTO, but then the next second, he would fire her as CEO, as the owner of the platform. So it makes right. no sense. So there's a lot of things going on like that in all of Elon's companies, obviously, including Tesla. Obviously, he's not the sole owner of Tesla, but he still owns 20% of the company, uh, which makes him like the largest single shareholder, making him giving him a lot of voting power in the company and also just his general influence on shareholders give him a lot of power itself and then the fact that half the board is a longtime friend of him uh, and whatnot is also brother. an issue his own brother is on the board so yeah uh some more oversight to i don't want to say to keep him in check at least like to because i think elon is still super valuable to tesla um if if he were just if he didn't feel like he can say whatever he wants whenever he wants. Um, that I, I think it, it would be more valuable to Tesla. <laughs> but yeah, I, you, you won't hear me calling for his resignation if, to answer Ben's question. Yeah, I, I kind of wish he'd just be quiet on Twitter, but that's not yeah. gonna happen. All right, do you think GM can arrive soon with a Buick version? Oh, so this is uh, the other thing. Okay. Buick version of the Bolt EUV Altium. The competitive like Volvo EX30 will be on the market in 2025. Competition like Volvo EX. So the v- Volvo EX30 will be on the, the market in 2024. It's coming mm-hmm. quite soon. It's going to be a 2025 version. Um, I don't think that Buick in the U.S. is really planning on having any EVs anytime soon. Yeah, that, that was my thought too. I'm not sure what's uh, GM's plan with Buick in North America. Like I know that in China it's big, but or big or actually stronger there. But here I don't know what they're doing with with that. Yeah, because um, the is is the bold EUV Ultium, uh Is that confirmed? Like you know, confirmed the Bolt EV is going to have an Ultium version, but do we know the EUV? Mary Barra made some weird comments on the last earnings call mm-hmm. that. They're taking some learnings from the EUV to make the Boltium, the Bolt Ultium. So, like that makes me think they're gonna make it look like the EUV, which to me is like a mistake because I think, you know, you have the Equinox, so that that's pretty close to the EUV already. But like I think the Bolt EV is a more unique uh, vehicle platform, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there's value there, but. Um, you know, I don't agree with much of the calls that uh, GM makes uh, these days. So mm-hmm. um, anyway, uh, Carl and San Diego, low-vin Cybertrucks will look rough most likely. We know that. Uh, yeah, that's Carl's a possibility. Car- like I said, I don't, I don't see it. May, maybe there's going to be some short-term value to Lovin uh, Cybertruck, but I don't see them having long-term value. So so that probably would remove a lot of the potential buyers of those trucks for higher prices that are hoping to for them to be collect, collectible items. So yeah, I don't think it's going to be a big market for that. All right, Spikes43, do you know what the 228 power out on the F-150 Lightning is? That 1450 port on the Cybertruck is very appealing for Taiga Orca charging. Uh, that Tiger Orca is the snowmobile, or is that no, the uh, jet ski? No, electric jet ski. Jet ski. Um, I do know that the F one hundred and fifty also has a fourteen fifty port on it, and I think mm-hmm. overall it can put out nine point six kilowatts, I believe. Uh, so plenty of power on the uh, 
Ford F-150 Lightning. I think the Cybertruck and the F-150 Lightning will both be able to charge that thing. Yeah, you actually can find on, on our YouTube right now, uh, you can find a video of uh, me and, and Sylvain Juto charging uh, an Tiger Orca on a Ford F-150 Lightning uh, like that. It was a very seamless experience. Speaking of Sylvian. <laughs> Another Sylvian. <laughs> <laughs> Worried that the branded supercharger won't have the same time as real uh, Tesla superchargers if buying company is responsible for the maintenance. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that last time we discussed this uh, this new business for Tesla. And uh, we, we kind of uh, came to the conclusion, well, even though it's speculation, that uh, most likely Tesla is going to be in charge of uh, maintenance for, for, for these charging stations. Um, it would make sense that they have these kind of deals. <clears throat> Sorry. For like the mega, char- the, the mega pack, for example the power packs and all that. So I wouldn't be surprised if this is also, and they have already the, the technicians and in most markets anyway, right? like these, these superchargers, these third-party superchargers will be deployed most likely next to Tesla's own superchargers in most case or very close to. So uh, I, I think Tesla is going to include deals that will include uh, maintenance, I would assume. All right. Uh, question. Electrify America price in Massachusetts was up to $0.64 cents per kilowatt hour this week, making DC fast charging more expensive than gas, three thirty nine for most any class of car. Are we overpaying Overplaying the cost savings need a gas tax? Um, I, and this this kind of started up some comments in the... Uh, yes, um, Vane is right. So that's... You need to take into account how much of the DC fast charging you're doing versus home charging. And I don't know exactly what the price are in mass for uh, at home for electricity, but I would assume that it's nowhere near 64 cents per kilowatt hour. Uh, so most of your charging up in there. Obviously, not everyone is that kind of situation, but no, I don't think we're overplaying the cost savings uh, uh, on the fuel sides of things with EVs. Uh, I just, you, you need to do the math. Uh, for yourself, depending on your own needs, obviously, but for the most part, you're going to find some significant cost savings. Yeah, and uh, for those people who don't have a garage or a place to charge that use street parking, just you know, try to find a level two. Uh, those are going to be way cheaper. Yeah. All right. Uh, questions with the recent slowing with quotation marks of EV sales. Why do you think some car dealers have such a negative perception of EVs and are reluctant are reluctant to sell EV cars? I mean, I. I personally have, yeah, I've, I've experienced this firsthand at, uh, first Toyota and then Chevy dealers, uh, Fred's comment, absolutely maintenance, uh, on EVs is non-existent almost comparatively. Uh, you don't need shot, uh, sparks, what am I saying? Uh, tune-ups, you don't need spark, uh, spark plugs. You don't need, uh, brakes as often, oil changes, all that stuff. So, um, and that's for those thing. that are not aware, like the dealer's business model, that's where the money is. Like a lot of money right. is in that, and a lot of money is in repairs. You obviously still have repairs for EVs, um, but n- not necessarily as much in terms of like the electric motor versus an engine, transmission, brakes, and all that. But yeah, but I think there's also like a, another aspect of it of just like change, right? Like just some reluctance to. To have, uh, uh, they they know a lot about gasoline powered vehicles, and now you're trying to get them to go to EVs, and it's just 
it's not easy for them. So they want right. to do the easy thing. Right. All right. Uh, I've seen some car dealers argue that the U.S. government should incentivize hybrid cars instead of EVs. They've argued that the high demand for Tesla will not equal the demand for legacy EV. And then how would you respond to the argument that car makers should focus on hybrids instead? P.S. I don't, but this argument, but I was curious about your opinion. Um, I actually have kind of come around to the idea that plug-in hybrids, uh, there's a place for them as long as the bottleneck to producing uh, electric vehicles is the battery supply. So if you have a finite amount of batteries, um, you can spread those across more cars. More people will go on electric vehicles. Um, if you have a smaller plug-in hybrid battery and then a gas backup. But I think in a few years, we're going to have enough batteries for the um, for the car market. So I, I think it's a temporary solution. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, it's undoubtedly a temporary solution. That's that's a thing. So your, your point is still correct, but it, it is a transitional technology. It's not a future of the industry at all. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it's uh, so it's hard to invest in for some automakers. So you see a lot of automakers not doing them at all, uh, going directly from um, either full ice to or regular hybrids to BEVs. But um, uh, yeah, like Seth said, there is no argument for it. I just I don't think it, if you look at all the trends of the e trends. The, the BEVs, they're still going up as a percentage. It's just like maybe you have some overall sales going down because uh, the entire auto market right now is is being affected by the economic microeconomic situation. But if you look at all the different percentage of sales with BEVs, PHEVs, HEVs, and ICE, the clear trend is BEVs. Uh, so uh, there's not a giant argument to incentivize them more or anything like that. I don't, I don't think so. All right, this one comes from Australia. Looking at a Model Y, I've got a X cancel $3,000 credit, but believe Australia will only get V3 software and no refresh yet. Do I forego the 3000 credit and wait to get V4 software and a minor upgrade? What do you think? I'm so confused. Yeah, I, I didn't quite understand what I was saying, but I think uh, the question is, do does he use a $3,000 credit? Or wait to get the V4 software. What's hardware. the V4 software? Or, 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 or maybe the Autopilot hardware, hardware for that software, though. Uh, I don't know. Maybe we should just move on. Yeah. Sorry, Neil. Like, <laughs> we we kind of need some verification here. All right. For Teslas with vision only, is there a timetable for Summon and Park Assist to come back? Uh, there was a, a, a release on uh, on that. I uh, posted the, the the new. It's, it's a bit confusing because it's the note of the full self driving beta update that this is starting to push right now. There is uh, some comments about using data, more data from hardware for cars uh, to to have these features to, to contribute to those features. So now that that Tesla has more data on these uh, different sensors that they have in hardware for, that's a problem. Um, oh, but, well, vision. Wait a minute. Well, so those, those are, is that what you mean by vision only? Because if you go back to vision only cars with that change, there, there's been the parking assist update already. That's that, that has been released, if I'm not mistaken. But it's the hardware for cars now that are also vision only, I guess, and that don't have it. 
but apparently Tesla is using more data from the new sensors, and so it could be coming mm. fairly soon. But I think Elon's already said that it's going to be like six months behind the hardware three. So, uh, All right. Has there been any? Oh, wait, that's the question already. And we should probably cycle through some. Of okay. These. Well, that that that's Neil. I think clarifying his other just after the opinion on buying why now or waiting three months until it gets a slightly updated model why. I'm concerned about why I want to arrive until three highlands arrive in OZ early 2024. Okay, this is still with the software V3, V4, I don't understand, but I guess, because I don't know, I'm not as familiar with the Australian market, obviously. So it might be, it might be talking about like getting a mobile Y from uh, China, which is not the latest uh, hardware version. Uh, it's hard to tell. I mean, personally, I, I'm, with, with that stuff, I'm always like, if you're satisfied with the version right now that they're selling, you should go for it. Um, there is rumor, obviously, there's going to be a kind of a Highland Mall Y coming. So uh, th that's the thing. But the, the Island Mall 3 is not the biggest update either. Uh, so I, I wouldn't expect something giant for the Mall Y also. So I don't know. Uh, if you need a car right now, <laughs> just get a car. 31 right, cents a kilowatt hour in Massachusetts. Yeah, it's pretty pricey. Yeah. I mean, get some solar panels. Yeah, get some solar panels. Those are probably very uh, profitable at that kind of pricing. We're paying nine cents a kilowatt. Nine cents Canadian. That's like seven cents US. Yeah, it's right now. I got a yeah, bill yeah. from my condo for two months. It was $24. Two months of hydro. Yeah, you got all that hydro, though. Yeah. All right. Uh, which trim of the EV9, the key EV9, will include vehicle to home? Um, they have a call. I think, I think almost all of them do. Um, I was reading Jamie's post today on the um, uh, vehicle to home. It's it's a, actually a pretty strong um, power output. I think it's around five kilowatts. Uh, so that would be pretty pretty helpful. Power wall two equivalent. Yeah. Oh, um, and that's a big battery. So I I would imagine only the bigger battery would do that, but that's speculation. All right, for plug-in hybrids, to get incentives, they have to have good minimum amount of EV range, at least 60 miles, not cars with 10 EV miles. I kind of agree. I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, generally, though, of, they are, the, 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 the criterias are more like on the battery capacity. Size, but yeah, that, that, yeah. that pretty much uh, is the same argument. People who work as car salesmen are bad people. Bad people consume conservative media. Okay. Conservative media hates EVs because successful EV companies don't pay to advertise with them. Whoa, that's well, kind of a very <laughs> simple logic here, Ian. I mean, I don't. Uh, one, I don't think that every car salesman is a bad person. I don't think that every bad person is conservative or vice versa. I think those are very big generalization. Yeah, um, not going to follow that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, question, will Elon's thoughts on the ADL have a major impact on his multiple enterprises? So we talked about his uh, tweets earlier. Um, I I mean, somebody who knows him probably should just tell him to cool, put the kibosh on those yeah. ideas. I mean, to answer the question specifically, I mean, on his multiple enterprises, on X has already been an impact. Several companies have announced they're pulling their ads, at least temporarily, IBM, Apple, and others. Uh, Tesla, we, Tesla, that's always been hard to quantify, obviously, uh, but 
over the last year or so, there's been a lot of movement from people claiming that uh, they are selling their Teslas, they're selling their shares, they're selling their cars. They don't want to be associated with Tesla because of Elon. But we have, I've been having a really hard time understanding, like, is that any kind of meaningful uh, number of people are doing that uh, this week or today or whenever Elon actually tweeted that and the, the backlash started happening. Uh, Russ Gerber, who's a longtime Tesla investor, has an hedge fund, said he got a call from, from clients telling him that they want to pull their investment in Tesla because of the latest comment. Uh, so, yeah, I guess there's going to be some impact on that front. Uh, again, I don't know how meaningful it's going to be. All right. One last, last second question from Jorg Willy, uh, a ranch owner in Quebec. I need towing cap capabilities, but also a vehicle to grid capability for blackouts happening often in Quebec. I didn't know that was uh, a thing in the winter, which upcoming truck would be the best deal. It's happening. Like it, it depends where you are. So we said a ranch was probably like further out in, some, in the country. And, uh, the thing in Quebec here, we have such tough winters that it's not it's not a problem really on the reliability of our infrastructure as much as like you, know, you have power lines and you have trees around the power lines and with the winter if the the, 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 the trees like you have branches that can fall because if if, if there's a, a verglow called like a frozen rain and so these things happen like here too I, I would get some like in the winter you get a few uh, blackouts but not, nothing that lasts super long. But which truck would be the, the best deal? Uh, I mean, we talked about the Lightning earlier with another person asking a similar thing about Canada, like the, the pro, like especially if you're talking, I don't know what kind of ranch you're running, but if you're talking about the truck that is going to stay on your ranch, the pro is probably the, the right option because it's not a super rangy option. But uh, um, that doesn't sound like it would be the issue here. You're just towing things around the ranch. That that would be good. Uh, you can still get some some distance out of it, of course, but uh, if it's more than 150 miles or so, or 200 kilometers, uh, definitely going to need some some fast charging. Uh, other than that, there's nothing <laughs> much right now other than the Rivian R1T that's going to be a much more expensive uh, solution. Uh, you might have to wait otherwise for next year when the Silverado is going to be available, the, the Cybertruck. Nah, I don't even know if the Cybertruck is coming to Canada next year, to be honest, maybe, or maybe at the end of next year. Uh, and um, uh, same for the Silverado. The Ram, do we know when that Ram EV is coming? No idea. And yeah. I, I don't know it's going to be in big numbers, but um, yeah, I would, I would bet on the Ford F-150 being your best choice. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening to the show this week. Um, we had a blast. A lot of people listening. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please give us a like, a thumbs up, a subscribe. Uh, if you're listening on your podcast app, if you can give us a five-star uh, rating, that helps a lot. It's free to do. It takes a second. It helps the show tremendously. We appreciate every single one of you. And we're going to see you same time, same place next week. Have a safe weekend. Bye-bye.